Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to the Guess the Lines podcast, North American LCS quarterfinals edition. That is right. We are in the playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, playoffs. And we're there, and it's so exciting. I love this time of year. Uh, this is when we see the great teams separate themselves from the good ones. Uh, there's so much on the line in, in North America, especially now that uh, Phoenix One is not going to be able to use any of their circuit points from last split. There's a lot of potential seeding things that can get moved around, a lot of ways to, you know, every one of these matches is really going to matter uh, in that race for the second place bid uh, from that second spot from the World Championship. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather talk playoffs with in North America than my good friend, co-host, and I, I suppose guess the Lions champion, Walter Seattis Fetchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? You are goddamn right, the champion. <laughs> that is correct. Welcome to the North American show. Yes, I'm I'm really excited for the North American playoffs because I think that the teams that we have competing all can beat each other and can all be beaten by everyone else with maybe the exception of one team. Um, it's it's going to be fun. This is this is probably parity-wise the, the the like the closest all these teams have kind of been. And I know that the inner TSM fanboy in me is going is like, "What are you talking about? It's TSM. They're going to make the finals." I'm like, "Yeah, no no duh. They're going to make the finals." But like I'm not super confident that like, yeah, you know, TSM are going to wipe through all this it's gonna be three o's and you know they're gonna be drinking tea on a ship in the boston harbor come monday morning I'm, I'm not guaranteeing that i'm i'm very intrigued because this is a lot of really interesting storylines a lot of really interesting interactions of players um there is one team that i think was a really strong contender at the beginning of the split and now i'm not so sure about them i'm not so sure about them making worlds i'm i'm not as confident in them as a squad as i was um you know, back in week one with the players that they had, hint, hint, hint. But this is this is going to be good. These are going to be good games. They're going to be closer games. I think there's probably going to be some gambling value, um, and there's definitely going to be some like entertainment and good League of Legends value. So this is exciting. I, this is the best time of year for me is is playoffs. Yeah, this is when it gets fun, guys. This is when all of that regular season scouting comes to a head. This is when. All of the interesting conversations about, you know, who can really step it up when it matters most. We get the full best of fives. This is when it gets fun, and I am so excited to talk about these. But before we get there, Riot has released their NALCS All-Pro Awards. Uh, we knew that it was coming soon. We didn't realize it was this soon. We were hoping to record before it came out. But, you know, such is life. We do, the show does go on. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to quickly share our picks for the all pro positions, we're going to go position by position uh, for each of the three, uh, you know, three spots for each position, uh, and then we're going to go coach of the split, rookie of the split, MVP. Those have not been revealed yet. So, so these are the ballots that they would have been if we had a ballot. Riot must have lost ours in the mail, um, and uh, and and how we would have uh, would have voted on those uh, as well as our votes coming up. So, Walter, top lane, who do you got? Uh, so. First team All-Pro, I have Someday uh, from Team Dignitas. Second team would be Flame from Immortals. And third team was really, I think, a toss-up between two players. So I'm going to go with my heart, and I'm going to say Hauntzer. Okay. I 
I said Flame first team. I know you're shocked that the Immortals fan Immortals gave it to Flame fan. on team one. Uh, but he was such a great laner. I, I felt sure. comfortable with that. Sunday, sure. second team, great player. I have Darshan third team. Uh, and that was that was my other choice. I, I, I you know. I really didn't think that Hanser had a great split. I, I thought that this was a very underwhelming split compared to what we saw from Hanser last split. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, like, I, I, I did not consider him an all-pro player. He was not someone that I was really fighting to, to work into my list somehow. I, but, he, like, to get second team from the all-pro voters was surprising to me. I, I feel like having such a heavy... Uh, heavy presence of like the players and and coaching like they make a large chunk of it I think some of it just comes down to it's a popularity contest Um, and that's how like professional sports works but it's more of a popularity contest between them and a hundred media members as opposed to the guys they're necessarily playing in week in and week out and they're hanging out with at night and um, you don't get a lot of like Tom Brady doesn't necessarily go out to dinner with Mike Rice the ESPN beat reporter for new england you know every thursday like that just doesn't happen in real sports so i think yeah. there's there's too much buddy buddiness between the voting block and the actual players uh, that are being put up that it does lead to weird things um you know like the support position votes which makes no sense to me and we'll get to them in a few minutes yeah we'll, we'll get to that let's go to jungle next where do you who do you at what do you have what do you have <sighs> jungle jungle and 80 carry to me were really weak in terms of like who stood out, who didn't stand out, um, they, it always feels like this really large jumble. But in the jungle, I, I put Lyra first team, uh, X Smithy second team, and I'm gonna reward the rookie. I'm gonna give it to Mike Young third team. I thought wow. he played, I thought he played really well for wow. you know a large period of the split and was really impressive to me. I thought he stood out the most out of any other jungler besides the first two. You're gonna hate me in five minutes gonna be great okay. i have lyra first team x smithy second team i had contracts their team i thought contracts had a very good split i it, i it thought was, that it it yeah. wasn't like a mind-blowing it wasn't split, flashy it was yeah he was way. consistently very good with a couple great games which i think from a jungler that's that's enough um i i, I, I thought young i thought mike young had more good games than contracts like contracts was my fourth choice in all honesty no no i mean that's that's fine we uh let's go mid lane I feel like this one's pretty unanimous nowadays. Jensen, Bjergsen, Keen. Okay, there you go. I'm glad. Actually, I have Jensen, Bjergsen, Huhi. Keen's an interesting one to me. I don't think that Keen's a wrong answer. I think you could put just about any mid laner in the third spot. You could argue it. Like, Poe Belter could have easily been in that spot. Golden Glue. Definitely could have put Golden Glue in there, I think. Okay, anybody was maybe a strong Golden Glue. Yeah, Golden Glue. (laughs) Golden Glue would have been a fine choice. What about Ryu? I think Ryu would have been a perfect all-team third you know, all pro team, third team guy, you know? What I meant to say was that the first two spots are, are by far the yes, more interesting battle. Um, and, and, I, and I am glad we, we kind of had this conversation off camera where we decided that Jensen was like a Westbrook-style season, whereas Bjergsen's been playing more like a James Harden. Yeah. And, what, you know, I, I think that Jensen just happened to play out of his mind this split. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Bjergsen... Uh, Bjergsen will get his again. It's not the last time. For, this is not his last chance to get a first-team All-Pro award. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see him uh, just do just fine yeah. for himself. Uh, as much as North American fans on Twitter, TSM fans freaking out, might, uh, might cry otherwise. What yeah, do you think I, of that? He was, a better, he was a better mid-laner, straight-up mid-lane statistics than Bjergsen. Let's calm down. It's fine. They're not going to win. I, uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> there you go. AD Carey, what do you got? I, you know how I said, like, buddy-buddy, letting feelings get in the way of things, and I also said AD Carry was really underwhelming? I'm going to yeah. give first team to double lift because I I'm a TSM fan. Uh, and then I went Apollo and Cody Sun because I thought well, out of the remaining AD Carries, they stuck out the most. Wow, Apollo. Yeah. Strong choice. I thought Apollo I... had a really, really good split. He Like, what, I could put Sneaky and Stixay here, but I don't remember ever hearing Sneaky or Stixay's name during a CLG or a Cloud9 game. I hear Apollo's name way more in Envious's games than I do either those, those players, so I want to reward him for that. He played really, really well. I think that Apollo's numbers in his better season have a lot to do with Hakuo, 
Like, I, I don't okay. think that it was Apollo making these masterful that's, outplays. That's fine. That's fine. I, but I, so I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, I guess the all-pro voters are double lift, uh, TSM fans as well, because they also had double lift to number one. I had Cody Sun at number one. Uh, I thought that he yeah, um, did a lot uh, in that lane. I think he's probably, he would get one of the, like, if we had a most improved award, I think Cody Sun would win that yes. pretty easily compared to, you know, the first half of the first split versus where he is now. I had double lift to two. I had stick say at three. Uh, I was in a toss-up between Alltech and Sneaky for the fourth spot. Interesting. Uh, With as little as Alltech played. Alltech, I, you know, he, he played enough games. I, I cut that at 25. Yeah. He played more than half the season. Okay. So he's eligible as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, did, I just didn't think he was as efficient as Stixay was. Stixay did a lot with fair. not getting as many resources as other AD carries. Yep. Uh, support, you're going to be surprised to hear that uh, after that praise of Hakuo, uh, I'm, I, I feel like he got robbed. Where, where, where do you have him on your list? Where so you listen, again, the whole they're voting for their buddies thing, I don't know why Smoothie and Aphromoo are on the, the Riot games list. I don't. I really don't understand because I don't think either of them did anything that was anything spectacular. And maybe that's just kind of the curse of their smoothie and Aphromoo, so we expect so much from them. I thought they had okay series, so I'm going to reward guys that I... Seasons. I'm going to reward guys that I thought had solid and really good seasons and deserve to be, you know, put up there as an all-pro. First team, Ale. Thought he was absolutely fantastic. The rich man Kiwi kid. Uh, Biofrost? Okay. And then Hakuo is my third team guy because, like I said, I, if Ali is the rich man's by is the rich man's Kiwi kid, Hakuo is like if like rich man's bio rich man's support is uh, Kiwi kid is like Bill Gates, then this is like Warren Buffett's support is is Hakuo. Like that's how that's the like wealth distribution there. So I thought both were really really good, and I think Biofrost had a really good season too. See, I appreciate that. And the five other people listening to this who, who got that metaphor are really enjoying it as well. I, this is going to be surprising to people. I have Hakua number one. I love, I thought Hakua was the best laning support in North America. And when you think about having to elevate a guy like Apollo, I, I thought the degree of difficulty there uh, was a little bit higher. So I, I have a lot of respect for what he did and, and his ability to make plays for that team. I have Smoothie number two. I, I thought Smoothie had a very good season. I didn't think it was as good as last season, but I don't think many supports played as well as they did last season. And I had Biofrost 3. Uh, always an honorable mention, which I know is going to surprise some people because I'm an Immortals fan. But I, uh, here's the thing. Here's why I had to do that. Last split, I said that Hillisang was uneligible for a spot because he had too many deaths for a <laughs> time. That is, it's just, there's a number at which it becomes a little silly that we're talking about uh, the deaths and having them be an all-pro player. Ale died 123 times this split. So as much as uh, as of Aphromoo at 138, he should not have been near an all-pro ballot. I have no idea what was going on in that. But 123 times in, in, a, in a kill participation of only 67.4%, mm -hmm. I'm not seeing it. I, I think he wasn't consistent enough. I think he made he made mistakes that cost the team in certain spots. Um that's, that's enough for me to take him kind of out of that all-pro bid for me, but that's because that's how I view supports. I think supports have to do enough to not die because that's I can't weird. fall behind because my support got killed because of bad positioning or whatever else. But let's real quick coach the split. Who's your man? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it's Song from Immortals. Um, yeah. I think, again, he's the only one that stood out to me of doing anything. Maybe give a runner-up to Violet from Envious. I thought, you know... I don't know how much he did, but if you want to look at like massive improvement that teams had, uh, Immortals and, and Envious were the two teams that improved by far the most. So I'd say those two guys would be my first, first and second choice. That's totally fair. I, I have Song as my number one. I, you could throw out any of, of Zix, Cop, and Parth for number two, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, Cop, Cop, Cop's probably up there too. Yeah, I, I thought I the Dignitas team came, came along a little bit. Rookie of the Split. I think it's safe to say you have Mike, Mike Young, Young. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put Mike Young up there. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm giving it to Niski. Mike yes. Young fell off hard in okay. the, after Rift Rivals, okay. and I, I just feel like Niski was more consistent. Okay. Mike Young had the flashier good games. I will give okay. him that. Yeah, that's. Yeah. he's going to get rewarded for the flashier good games over Niski, so that's, yeah. MVP? Jensen. Yeah, it's Jensen or Bjergsen, and they're going to give it to Jensen because they don't want to give it to Bjergsen, and Jensen had better stats. 
Yeah. I, I don't think anyone is close as third. I I think that the the difference will now be like next year. Does Jensen figure out the secret to being a successful East like team? And is he willing to start sacrificing some of his own stats and some of his own abilities in ways that Bjergsen did in, like, late Season 4 or going into Season 5 to make the guys around him better? And it'll be very interesting to see because I think that's the next step that Jensen needs to make to match Bjergsen uh, as a player just outright. But I think just for this split, Jensen definitely deserves the MVP. If Bjergsen won it, I would not be surprised. Yeah. I would be surprised. I would be surprised. I just want to throw this out there, right? Like in the NFL, we have, you know, the offensive player of the year is usually the guy, the best offensive player who didn't win MVP. Mm -hmm. I, I do not think it is impossible that Jensen won the first First team team all-pro spot, but then Bjergsen, because people take in some of those intangibles that he Mm -hmm. brings, then gets elevated because it was a very close race, and I think there are great arguments on sides. Yeah, like it, it's close enough. I think people who are like, oh, well, now we know Jensen won the MVP. I'm not so convinced. I'm not saying it's not, I, I'm not saying that Bjergsen's going to win it. I'm saying that I, I think it's still a two horse race. And I think that the battle for sure is, is, is way too far back. But that's enough of the regular season. We're, we're focusing on playoffs. You know, that's, that's why we're here. And if we're going to do that, we start with Cloud Nine versus Dignitas on Saturday. This should be fun. It this should be. be. Interesting series. What are you most excited about when you look at how this series is going to break? Um, I am excited about the interaction between the two teams in terms of how they are successful. And with Cloud9, with it's all about Jensen. It's all about the playmaker in the mid lane. He, he is how they win, and they put him on champions that give him the ability to win games by himself. Uh, either through just dominating the laning phase and then taking that gold advantage out and spreading it across the map, or by playing things like Oriana, where he can just make you know a couple big team fight plays and go from there. Cloud9's entire core strategy is Jensen's going to crush his lane. Let's try not to screw everything else up around him, and then come around him as like a protective barrier for the remainder of the game and do whatever we can to to funnel his his uh, resources into successful team fights and it's usually around objectives they aren't really playing like pick compositions they're really playing these kind of 5v5 team fight compositions where they are relying on jensen to be the guy to make the big plays in them dignitas on the other hand you're seeing a team that still wants to do those kind of 5v5 fights but any one of four players and even five now that you have more of a playmaking support uh you know now with adrian where they're like, all right, we're going to go into this fight and we trust that one of our guys is going to make the play. We don't know which one it is. We don't know if it's going to be this really good flash, uh, you know, Cassiopeia alt for Keen. We don't know if it's just going to be this uh, this mechanical outplay from, from someday where he, you know, causes enough disruption that everyone focuses on him and they waste all their CC and now the rest of our line can carry. It might be Shrip getting the really good kick onto a squishy target, you know, and kicking them in to, uh, into Adrian. Or, you know, it could be any of these guys making these plays. This is a team where I've always made fun of uh, of Alltech for being a very skittish AD carry, that he's constantly, you know, running away from fights, that if he feels pressured, he tries to back away. He doesn't go forward. He doesn't try to engage. This is the most aggressive that I've seen Alltech in the team fighting kind of aspect of it. Like, he trusts the guys around him that, oh, it's okay if he gets caught out of position. You know, maybe he dies instantly, but he knows the rest of his teammates are going to be there to pick up the slack or that he trusts that his teammates are going to be there to help peel you know, the, the threat off of him so that he can do his job. That's really what it comes down to, is one singular player and the team kind of you know, molding themselves around that one individual player and a team of five guys that maybe they're the second or third best player on any other team, but here they don't have to be... This, you know, they could be a second or third best player and occasionally be the best guy on the rift. And they can, you know, sort of filter through all those roles and mix it all up. Kind of like in Dota when, you know, you got a guy like um, like Sumail or Arteezy. They're both really, really good players, but sometimes one of them defers to the other because they're having a better game. And they trust the other person to, okay, you don't have all the golden experience, but here's what your job is going to be on your character. So do your job, let me do mine. And, and that's really what Dignitas is 
you know, feels like a, a whole collective unit of five guys coming together to make each other better. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think we're at a point now where Dignitas is, is really working, as you said, as a five-man team. Uh, it seems like these players are on the same page. I think that having that pressure in the bottom half of the map that Alltech and Adrian are bringing does so much to free up Sunday and allow them to kind of have this uh, complete kind of map control, have, be able to get past some of the big problems that they used to have where people would just throw all their energy at Sunday, and if they kept Sunday down, well, you knew you were probably going to be Dignitas. Now I'm not so sure that's the case. I will say this. People who are looking at this and saying, well, the style is basically a death sentence here, right? Because Jensen gets such a huge portion of his team's gold, and, and, and if they could just stop Jensen, then that gold gets shut down. It's worth pointing out, Jensen right now getting 26.2% of his team's gold. That is the most of any player who's played more than 10 games this season. Second highest is Alltech at 25.7%. Like, they are also funneling a lot of resources into one guy, mostly because they're at the point now where they believe that this AD carry needs to be able to team fight, needs to be able to clean up and be able to, to kind of take advantage of whatever initiation that someone like Sunday is bringing and what Shrimp loves to do, because Shrimp loves playing mid to late game scaling, let me get my hard CC in. Uh, those kind of champions are really where they excel. So it's it, it's kind of weighted in a different way, yeah. um, but, it, but it is weighted, and I think it's something that if you're a Cloud9 fan, you got to look at this and say, maybe we let, you know, we, we take the risk, like if Someday beats us, then Someday beats us, because he's Someday and he probably, he possibly will anyway. But if we can stop all tech, then it becomes the Sunday show, and he has to be the one to beat us. Right, but then you have Keen. And Keen has shown this split that he can be a guy that you put the gold on him and he can go off. He's had games where he's gone off as Cassiopeia, where he's gone off as Slea, where he's had some really solid Oriana plays where, yeah, maybe he's not the primary carry, but he is willing to throw his body in and sombrero an enemy team. He's had these kind of... And, and it's not just the weird champion picks. This is this has been his calling card forever up until, I think, the last year where I'm going to pick the Hecker against a Zed. I'm going to pick an Urgot against a Zed. We're all waiting for that really unique champion pick. But instead, what we're getting is this really sort of unique play style to him where he is willing to take those kind of risks where, you know, you look at, like, Jensen, you look at High, you look at Bjergsen. They throw, throw the Oriana ball onto, you know, their main engage guy, or they throw it out and they hope that the enemy team, you know, mispositions themselves, and that's how they get their ultimates. I don't see any one of those three guys put the ball on themselves, flash into the enemy team knowing they're going to get popped, and sombrero the enemy team to set his teammates up for success. It's sort of like when you get a guy like a Tyrod Taylor that's really willing to run an option, that's really willing to go out on these long bootlegs and say, well, you know what? The only way we're going to get this first down is if I go that extra five yards and I run this, you know, and I run and I lower my shoulder and I take a tackle and I just stretch out for that five yards. So I'm going to do it. That's what I see from him, where I see the more established mid laners that are more a traditional style, they don't take those kind of risks. And sometimes it bites Keen in the butt. Sometimes it bites Dignitas in the ass, like we saw at the beginning of the spring. But he's gotten smarter about when to take those moments. And he's gotten trickier about when to do them. Uh, uh, in the in the promotional series, um, or maybe it wasn't. I forget where I saw it, but I saw someone um, throw a Miaza over the wall in mid lane to stop uh, uh, to engage. I want to say it was um, E United. Yeah, it was E United. It was GBM against Ryu. Trapped Ryu with the Miasma, then flashed over the wall to alt into him. I watched Keen stream. I've seen Keen do that multiple times. Where he's like, I'm playing Cassiopeia, I'm going to force you to stand there, and you're either going to get slowed, and I just you know, machine gun you down with Twin Fane, or you get stunned, and I machine gun you down with Twin Fane. So it's that kind of unique nuances that I think Keen brings in, not from the champion pool sense anymore, but the actual gameplay sense anymore. So it's really going to be interesting to see the two different styles, the more traditional, I, I even just want to say like European style of not take a lot of risks, play what the champion does, versus Keen, and I, I feel like it's more of a Korean style of, let me kind of test the boundaries of what I can do with a champion and, and come up with these unique ways to make the champion work. So I, I don't think you can just focus down all tech and say it's going to be the Sunday show, because Keen is there. 
Kane can be a guy that steps up and makes big plays when it matters. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I love I Keane. Certainly think that, Keane. No, Keane's great, and I, I do think that he is an underrated player. I'm, I'm glad in the article I'll be writing about Dignitas that will hopefully be up today by the time that you're watching this on Friday. Uh, I, I go into, like, I think he's underrated. I think that players are starting to realize that he has a consistency to him that is valuable, that he has a creativity, that is, as you just mentioned, that is valuable. The, the two things, if you're a Dignitas fan, that you've got to be worried about, outside of just Jensen is the best player Jensen in the league right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cloud9 was the only team to beat you twice this whole season. You have winning records or tied records against every other team in the playoffs, except for Dignitas. Okay. Or, or except for Cloud9, excuse me. Yeah. And the second problem is Cloud9 has an early game rating of 59.0. That is the best in North America. Dignitas is sixth at 47.9. This is a problem. This is the thing. The weakness that we have had with Dignitas this entire time now is that they do not win lane very often. Even someday, you know, someday because he gets so much uh, attention from the enemy team, tends to have, you know, tends to not be able to farm quite as easily, tends to need a little bit of extra time to get to the resources that we're used to from him. And when that happens, then you're in this weird spot where. Like okay, well, what's our plan then? How are we getting past the early game? Is it is Altec gonna just snowball a lane? He's been the guy that they've trusted to win lane so far this season. So, right now, he's at 106 goal differential at 10. But it's like it is very hard for them to keep up with the sheer power of the offense that we see from a Cloud9, where Smoothie likes to play aggressive, where Contracts has been more aggressive. Like, and and, and this is where I don't know if they do it this year. But Dignitas feels a lot like the Unicorns of Love, where it, 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 they keep kind of picking up these guys. Unicorns of Love, they kept Hillisong, they kept Vizichachi forever, but they kept taking chances on these guys that other people weren't willing to, whether they were rookies that were playing in Turkey, whether they were cast-offs, guys that are playing in the LVP and haven't played on an LCS stage since Season 3 in Samux, Diamond Prox, uh, Joko, all these kind of players. They're willing to take all these risks until they find that right five-man unit. I mean, just look at this split, and we look at last split. They kept, you know, they were trying out with making Lod work as an AD carry. That didn't end up working out, so they went and got Alltech, a guy that once FlyQuest got Wild Turtle, I didn't think Alltech was going to be playing on an LCS team anymore. They, you know, mixed around having a special and stunt and big, and now they got Adrian. Like, they're willing to experiment with the roster until they find the pieces that fit. And Dignitas's just play style feels similar to Unicorns of Love, where, yeah, they don't win the early game. They don't win their lanes. They're not really great at, at creating advantages for themselves in that first 15 minutes. But once they get into team fights, it's not as polished as Unicorns of Love. It's not as polished as someone like TSM. But you can see the beginning of them saying, those leads don't matter. We can still figure out ways to team fight. We can still figure out ways to engage us and ways to come back and fight around these objectives. And maybe it's not this split. Maybe they don't make it, you know, don't beat Cloud9. They don't make it to Worlds or whatever. Okay, that's fine. But I feel like as we look to them in the spring and maybe even next summer going into the next World Championship cycle, they have that kind of Unicorns of Love vibe to me. They, they just have it. The, the, the yeah. cop is this guy where we're not really sure that he's a good, really good coach. That just screams sheepy to me. And, like, we're just waiting for them to have that moment of, of serenity and clarity where it all of a sudden makes sense. And it might not be this series, but there is a chance that they start to figure it out with this series. This, this is going to be a really, really good series to watch of the opposing styles of one super-duper star versus these five guys that are all coming together as a unit, you know, after playing together for, you know, 25 games, basically. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very fair. There certainly feels like there's a magic with this Dignitas team. Like everything feels like it's coming together at the right moment. And yep. you've got all these these different underdog narratives, you know, individual players and all these guys being discarded or not considered very high value on the open market, not getting signed by the places where, you know, they wanted to to stay in the case of somewhere like Someday who thought he was going to be, you know, staying in Korea and, and everything else and then gets replaced by KT and ignored by SKT, and here he is in North America now. You know, there's... All of these players have a story like that. Mm -hmm. Shrimp was in Japan last season. Yeah, right? Like, like, these are things where... I'm telling you! It, 
if it happens, it's going to be a great moment for 95% of, like, like if, unless you're a diehard Cloud9 fan, it is hard to not love this Dignitas team and not want them to succeed in this spot because it feels like they're due as an org, they're due as a group of players, as individuals, as a team, all of it. It would be, it's, it's more fun if they pull this off, but as, as you and I know, you've got to be able to do it. You don't, you, we don't want it handed to them. They have to yes. beat Cloud9. Yep. And that's going to be what they have to do on Saturday. What do you think the line is, Walter? Uh, I've got Cloud9 minus 200 because I don't think the casinos trust Dignitas quite yet. Not in the uh, playoffs. You, you got it almost exactly. I'm a little worried now because uh, I was not that close on the second one. But for now, I'll say <laughs> I got Cloud9 minus 180. It is Cloud9 minus 204. Okay. So you are almost exact. Uh, what, what's the underdog line? Dignitas plus 115. If you're looking at interesting odds, Cloud9 minus 1.5 is plus 110. Wait, what was the Dignitas underdog line? Plus 115. 115? Yeah. Oh, 155, excuse me. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I, 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 mis- I, I misread that. Yeah. 155. Okay. Uh, so Cloud9 minus 1.5 is plus 110. Um, that, that would be a really cool big. Yeah. Um, over 4.5 maps is plus 175. Okay. So. I, I, like, I can really see that happening. Yeah, oh, it. it I can it really see like, that happening. It could certainly be a battle of, of a series. I could absolutely see these teams going back and forth, neck and neck. Especially because neither one of them has done a great job of putting people away in best this of three. Yeah, this is true. Like, they true. leave the door open. It's, uh, God, I, I... I don't want Cloud9 to lose because I I don't like Cloud9. I just want Dignitas to win that much more. Yeah. Like, Cloud9 feels like they've been so good for so long and haven't really made any kind of major changes. Like, it feels like they need kind of a kick to the the lower section to uh to like figure out like oh okay like everyone else is getting better maybe maybe we need to actually attempt to get better and and we have to realize that we're kind of at a ceiling here and incremental improvements from jensen are only going to push us so far so well you know i'm i'm with you on this we should root for dignitas to beat up on North American favorites, which is why we're all going to root for them in the semifinals against TSM next week if they get there. I think all of us can agree, especially sure. on this podcast. Sure. If, TSM, if there's anyone that I would love to see TSM lose to, it's Dignitas. I think that would be cool. I like. I genuinely think it would be cool. The only problem is that TSM has already embraced what Dignitas is embracing right now, and they have the second best player in the league in Bjergsen. So yeah, th- these are concerns. Let's move forward. We're going to talk about Co- counting our chickens before they hatch. There, Chase. Yeah, look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I am. I am looking forward to rooting against TSM next round. But that's fine. We're moving that's on fine. to CLG versus Envious on Sunday. This is. A match, I gotta be honest, I was more excited about probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago, so, before we saw this slide from Envious. Well, 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 what are you seeing? What, what's gone wrong for them this Envious? last couple of weeks? Yeah, because uh, they've lost their last, I believe, four series. I think it's the solo laners. The solo laners just aren't very good. Like, I, Niski, I know you think he's your rookie of the split. I think he has a lot of potential. I just don't think he's very... I don't think he's there yet. Like, if we wanted to play a name game real quick... Of, of mid laners in North America, which I'm pretty sure we played this name game before like 30,000 times. Like, mm-hmm. you, you want Keen over Niski. Uh, high? Like, would you take High over Niski? I think I'd rather I'd have Niski. Because upside. For the yeah. upside. Um, I, I'd rather have Niski than literally anyone on Liquid. Yeah. Niski over Ryu, sure. Niski over yeah. Pyrian, sure. So, like, he's probably. You don't want him over Jensen. You don't want him over Hui. You don't want him over Froggen. You don't want him over Poe Belter. You don't want him over Keen, and you don't want him over Bjergsen. So he's the seventh best, you know, seventh best mid laner in North America. Yeah, and... he and Keen are closer than they are for me than they are for you. But yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, I have Keen. Yeah, you, you really like Keen. I really so... like Keen. Um, yeah. but like, yeah, like I, the problem is North America is so incredibly mid lane focused, and and it's not just like there are hard carries. It's it's not in that regard. It's like. Every North American team plays through their mid lane. 
that's just that's just the way it is. They play through the mid lane because that's the center of the map, and you can rotate you know like a wheel around them and allow them to do whatever they want. They're the most flexible player where they can play anything from Galio and be like tanky kind of peel engage to we're gonna play just pure burst LeBlanc or we're gonna play Lucian. Like they give you so much flexibility of what they're able to do, and then they can also roam as much as a jungler can. They can move around the map. You know, as long as they, they set things up correctly and you're intelligent about when they do it. So having the seventh best mid laner is not good enough. Like, I think he can be better. I think he can grow. And maybe he's still the seventh best mid laner, but it is a, you know, we're splitting hairs on the difference between him and Keen or him and Froggen or him and Huey or him and whoever. But it's that gap isn't there yet. It's still, there's kind of a distance between him and the other six guys above him. And, oh, Seraph. Yeah. Seraph has he, fallen off a cliff again. He's the bigger oh, question. Oh, God. Man, he's just not good at playing the game. He's just not good at the mechanics of playing the game. I think he's really intelligent about what the, how the game should be played in terms of rotationally and moving around the map and when to take objectives and all that kind of stuff. I just don't think he's good mechanically at the game. Seems like being good at the game should be a prerequisite to being a pro player. It I think, like yeah, maybe you should be able to last. T- like, there's a reason that you and I aren't pro players, Chase. Like, we talk about the game, and we're pretty intelligent about how the game runs. But if you put us in practice mode and said, okay, Walter, you need to get 100 out of 113 minions before you're allowed to leave your chair, I'm probably dying here. Like, <laughs> it's like the joke of, like, oh, on r slash NBA, they had something like, how long would it take you to make 400 three-pointers? You don't get water. You don't, and like you can't leave the gym. You, it just, it's just you, and you have to make 400 three-pointers. How quickly can you do it? And everyone's like, I'm gonna die in the gym. That's what's gonna happen. Like that's the same thing. And I, I just, I just feel like Seraph is not good enough mechanically anymore to be a professional League of Legends player, even in a region that's North America. Like maybe he could go to some place like Japan and thrive, but. I, I doubt it. I just yeah, and I I doubt that's what he wants to do either. Yeah. it's it's funny because you, when you describe him like that, <laughs> there's one guy who I can think of, and I think you're you're I'm I'm hoping you're gonna come with me on this. Do you remember a top laner that we used to criticize for being uh, not very good at the game mechanically, but had a huge reputation for being an in-game leader? was seen as a communicator. All his teammates swore that he was a smart guy and rallied around him and is now and we has now turned into a coach that has become pretty successful. He goes by the name of Joey Youngbuck. <laughs> good, good old oh Joey. God. Like that's that's where we are, right? That's where we are with yeah. like the gap between He's him the and, and where we Joey Youngbuck. Yeah. Except the difference is that Youngbuck didn't complain about practicing. Wow. So like that's like, that's kind of a concern as far as the ultimate path. I think he could be a coach if he got over his ego when it came to things like solo queue. But, like, that's where we are. I'd, I'd rather have him on my coaching staff as an analyst than have him on the Rift every time. 100% of the time. He's not, he's not an LCS caliber top laner anymore. That's fair. And I just, you know, at least with Joey, there was a happy ending. Okay. Poor, poor young buck. I'm, I'm calling him by our, our old nickname for him back when he uh, wasn't very good. Joey I should give him buck. the reference that he, he deserves nowadays. He's oh. earned it. But it's uh, the player was not a, a guy that was fun to root for. Walter, we, we do have to talk about the other side of it because it's not just a fact that Envious has these fatal flaws. They do, are playing against CLG. And CLG should have the tools to win this yes. series. What, what are you expecting to see from them? So remember that team that I mentioned in the intro about how I was really, like, thought they were going to be a strong contender and then they made, like, a move and there's a player no longer on their team. And, like, yeah, I guess they did well in Week 9. Uh, that was CLG. Yeah. I'm not sold on, on swapping to a rookie jungler two weeks before the playoff starts. And, and expecting it to be very successful. Like, I think I think they're probably going to beat Envious just because Darshan has been playing a lot better, and I think that's huge for them. He adds a, a level of unpredictability to them uh, in the fact that he can always just play something that's super split-push heavy, and he does always, in in time, in, in moments of great importance, he does always have something that he, like, sort of pulls out. Like, Nasus against TSM. 
I remember that Nasus pick very well, and I still have nightmares over all of a sudden. Darshan's playing Nasus. Oh god, the split push god is playing the split push god champion. Um, like, I'm waiting for that. I haven't seen that from him yet, and I just know in the playoffs they're gonna have a moment where Darshan's like, so Aatrox can split push really, really well. And Zix is just going like, no, and he's like, no, trust me, I'm back in form. And then he's not back in form, and they lose that game, and everyone goes, Aatrox is a bad champion. Um, Hui's been playing all right. Like, I think Hui and Keen are kind of interchangeable for, like, that fourth best mid laner in North America. Um, he still does have things like the Aurelian Soul where he can just pull it out, and you're like, yep, he's really good at this one champion, and it kind of sucks that you have to waste a ban on it, but he does it. He, I think the meta is perfect for him where it is very free-flowing and allows him to kind of play multiple styles and different champions, and I don't think Champion Pool has ever been a problem for Hui. I think that he has been a player who has a very wide but very shallow, and over the course of the last two years, he's started going deeper into that pool in terms of getting better at champions. He's no longer the Azir, you know, Victor two-trick guy. Now he has the Aurelian Soul. He can pull out the Cassidy. He's pretty good Talia. He's pretty good Cassiopeia. Like, he's slowly starting to dig out the bottom of this pond that is his champion pool. And now you're not just worried about one or two things. You're um, interested in seeing him play a multitude of champions. And I think Stixie and Aphromoo just been Stixie and Aphromoo. It's not Rush Hour. It's not the rush hour level, and I think Aphromoo's actually had kind of a down season for him. Um, but they're solid. They're consistent. They're strong, and I think that they can hold their own against uh, Apollo and Hakuo. I just... This isn't a team that excites me. This isn't a team anymore that's like, yeah, they have this really explosive piece in like someone like Dardock where, you know, big play. It's back again to this, the team is greater than the individual... And it relies on the team making a big play that, you know, and I, I just worry about when it's time to put up or shut up, who is the guy on this roster that goes out and makes the ballsy, gutsy, this is to win the game kind of play? And I, I don't see it anymore, especially with Aphromoo underperforming. Darshan, yeah. we joke about the Darshan moment. That lost I'm, in the series in the spring. I Yeah. I the answer is Huhi and Huhi's had a great season. And that's it's one of those things, like I understand, like, we have our preconception of who he who he is and what his career has been that we have to take into account. But purely off of this season, he has done such a great job of utilizing his kill pressure, of figuring out how to, when to push out his lane and, and when to take advantage of, of some of those early trades when he can of moving his leads around the map when he's able to get them. I think that who he is the guy that they're going to be turning to. And Darshan, to a lesser extent, he's gotten more kills per game than any other top laner in the league. So he's doing something right when it comes to making plays. I will say I'm on the exact... Well, I I have mixed feelings about the jungle. Because on the one hand, I think that removing a variable like Dardoch from your equation in the playoffs is a good thing to do. He is way too inconsistent, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, it's fair. His incons like I, the the peaks are, are fine, but they weren't as high so far this one. The lows were so low. I I think they made the right move in that. Omar God against Lyra just terrifies me. Omar God against any jungler that they're gonna play scares me to death. Yeah, but particularly Lyra. Like particularly the I mean, yeah. two-time All Pro, once known as one of the best junglers in Korea came in and sing, like Fair. took this envious Fair. team that was terrible Fair. last year. Like, he is a god of pathing and a god of all these, you know, such a deep champion pool. Like, there's nothing you're going to force Lyra onto in which he's going to be uncomfortable. Meanwhile, Omar God, I'm still not sure what he plays after Gragas is banned. Like, I don't know. I feel like I should know by this point, and I don't know the answer. Olaf. What does he play? Olaf. Okay. Okay, that's true. He did play that a couple times. It wasn't great. Olaf. It's like Olaf Gragas. I'm sure he plays Rek'Sai. I'm sure that they've worked on kind of fleshing out his champion pool. I feel like he's going to have a similar champion pool to Smithy, Where it's going to be like Sejuani, Gragas, Rek'Sai, Olaf. I mean, I think he can get there. I think he's only played 14 games on the big stage. Yes! And I yes! I haven't seen that depth yet. That concerns me. I just, like, it's one of those things where I look at this series and I want to jump and say it's a 3-0. Because I think that CLG is a better team. And the better team should win, but there's just that, that there's just that moment where you just Lyra is going to put them in a spot. It's going to be competitive. They're not going to fade away 
softly into the night. They're going to make a fight about it. And I don't know if Omar God is able to keep up in that regard. And if he's not, can the rest of CLG make up for that deficit? I think over a five-game series, I think the answer is yes. I'm not... I'm not. I don't think Envious wins the series. I don't know how they would without some significant leaps being made. But I, what what I feel should be a easy three zero here is not going to be one because we have this rookie variable to, to kind of take. Oh, into this account. is not. Gonna, whoa, 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 you thought this was going to be an easy three zero? I think this could be a three zero. I absolutely oh, no. think this could be a three zero. No, no, no. There's, there's going to be one game that Envious puts together this really, really good team fight, like, aspect to it, and you're going to get, like, Saroff, as bad as he is, does not get overrun absolutely every game. There, there are games in the series where he can kind of stand up. It's rickety, and I, I wouldn't necessarily want to cross, you know, a, a large crevasse with it, but there are moments where he does kind of stand up. He says, okay, I, I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold the door here. And then he lets Haku and Lyra go off and get all these engages and all these therefores to hit a Rumble Ultimate or jump on someone with Jarvan. Like, there is absolutely Envious can win a game off of CLG. Absolutely. I think it is more likely that they win a game than they get 3-0. Even without taking into account something fluky happening to CLG, like, oh my god, can only play Gragas and Envious bans it, you know, accidentally one game and then he's picking Volimer or something stupid. Like... I, taking that out of the equation, I think Envious wins this game. Like, wins a game. I think this is CLG series, but I think Envious wins a game. So, counter-argument. Go ahead. Envious in the last three weeks. Okay. Lose to Liquid 2-1. Okay. That happened. Yep. Uh, they beat FlyQuest two games to one, but they FlyQuest takes a map. 0-2 against CLG. CLG wins their games in an average of 29 minutes yep. in that series. Yep. Crushed them. Yep. With Omar Gun. Yep. Um, Envious 2-1 against TSM. That's a loss. Uh, they got 2-0'd by Immortals and 2-0'd by Cloud9. So, like, if, if they were losing to Omar God in 27 and 31 minutes a couple weeks ago, and it was that one-sided, like, and that was with, very, like, literally two I games think, of LCS I experience. Think, I think, I think. Okay. Look, man, if, if you don't have faith, why would you be here? So Lyra has more tape on him now. Like, Yeah, I think they can win a game. I absolutely think they can win a game. I don't think they're a threat to win this series, but I definitely think they can win a game. I think okay. it's more likely that they win a game than they don't. I'll put it that way. I think a 3-0 is absolutely in play. I think but... it's in play, but I think it's more likely that Envious well... wins a game than they don't. Yeah, no, of course. But, the, yeah, 3-0s are never going to be the most likely option, one would think, unless it's a really crazy situ uh, situation. But let's figure out where, where do you think the line does end up, Walter? CLG minus 275. Okay, you get this and with it the week, because, of course, my, my point I made up in Europe has just got thrown away. I don't know what I was thinking, man. I, I had a CLG minus 400. I just think <laughs> what? It's, it's just better than are you Zendia's kidding game. me? No! Ah! Why shouldn't be? Oh what has Envious done in the last three oh weeks? They look God. terrible. They look oh like a bad team. God. Not even like, oh, they're just being beaten by good. Like, they look like a bad team. They lost to Liquid, guys. Dude, like, even come against on. Immortals in week nine, Envious was. Uh, Immortals were only minus 277, and they're better than CLG. I was hoping they would learn from it. I was hoping Stop. that a terrible week nine would mean that they did just. You deserve to lose the that point. The story is CLG minus 303. I think it would be. If it was a best of three, I think it'd be. Uh, it'd be a little different. But yeah, CLG minus 303. Envious at plus 220. And the reason I keep bringing up the uh, the 3-0 is because I've seen the odds. Uh, CLG to get a 3-0 in the series is plus 220. I mean, that, yeah, if that happens, that's fantastic value. I think it's I think it's it's more likely than the 20 like 22 percent that that line implies. Like yeah. that, I think it's in play. Um, yeah, I think it's play. Other lines, like if you think that Envious is going to surprise us, uh, plus 110 for them to win. Uh, two maps are better. Uh, that plus one and a half there. I don't. I don't see it, but no. it's it's there if you want it. Five maps is plus two ten. I I I like the value on the CLG minus two and a half more. Plus two fifty five. Yeah, plus two. Uh, 
or, or plus 220. 220. Is, uh... Yeah, I, I, I mean, that just value-wise, that's incredible value. For something like, yeah, it can't happen. It, it's, it's like, yeah, it can't happen. This is either going to be a 3-0 or a 3-1. There's no way that there isn't a 3-0 across the four playoff series in the West this, this week. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's usually a, we yeah, get one quarterfinals. There's usually one team that just gets blown out. I think Envious are that team this split. That's fair. Um, where, what about a Cloud9 Dignitas? What line? Oh, five maps. Five maps at plus 175. Oh, yeah, there yeah. we go. Five maps at plus 175. Well, I mean, that made it super easy. Yeah. Okay. Much easier than Europe. There's actually value over here because, like I said, I think there's a world where Dignitas beats Cloud9. I think there's a world, honestly, where CLG absolutely falls apart because Omar Guard just gets crushed by Lyra and Zix has to waste all of these bands against Lyra and then that opens up uh, you know, Niski to something that he's more comfortable with. It opens up Seraph to something he's more comfortable with. Like, there is a world where Envious does beat CLG. There's not a world where Misfits beats Unicorns of Love. There's just not. It doesn't exist. I, I'm not sure I would agree with uh, with those uh, those assertions. That's but fair. it's okay. You know what? That's why the lovely listeners should comment in the section below, whether on SoundCloud or on YouTube. Do read everyone, so we definitely appreciate it. We love keeping that discussion going. You can also keep that discussion going on our lovely Discord. We've been very active on there. We've got a great community going on. I try to do VOD reviews on a pretty regular basis. I'm hoping we can do a little bit more of that moving forward yep. and something maybe better for North American times because right now I've been doing a lot of them for Europe. Uh, but we definitely want to make that a thing, uh, and you should definitely go there for all of that. And you should find us on social media. If you want to discuss anything I said today, you can find me at RedshirtKing. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at Sadie's underscore LOL. I'll be rooting for Dignitas this weekend, even though they might end up uh, facing, you know, TSM in the in the semifinals. I'm okay with that. And uh, I'll say TSM fanboy Walter will be taking another another week off. There's no reason for him to get all excited. Uh, Got to save it for the championship weekend in Boston. Man. That is the most TSM fan to be like, look, I don't even have to worry about getting excited about the semifinals. I just can't wait till the finals because that's just how it's going to happen. I I wish I could say I disagreed with you, but I will say <laughs> that we'll be back next week. We're going to do uh, North American Europe Guest Alliance, like always. Not sure exactly what days of the week those are going to come out. Definitely going to have at least 24 hours before those series start. Don't worry, we got your back on that. Uh, and we're going to hopefully do an episode with our EU LCS All Pro uh, votes just because we'd like to get those out before the rest of the people vote. But until next time, goodbye, Internet. You can follow the Rough Drafts Podcast on all your favorite social media sites Twitter at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com backslash Rough Dress Podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Dress Podcast. The Rough Dress Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at patreon.com backslash Rough Dress Pod and by viewers like you. Thanks for listening and goodbye, Internet.